Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week I'm going to share some spoiler thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter and Hive at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Plus, Forest Ghost Conversations is now live on Patreon. If you're a fan of the podcast and would like to consider pledging your support, there will be a link in the episode description for you to check out the various tiers offered. Finally, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Forest Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast, and I'm thrilled to get into some more meaty and spoiler discussion about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yes, this will be the topic of discussion for the next couple of episodes here, I imagine, on Forest Ghost Conversations, as, you know, I share some just grander spoiler thoughts, and then with each, you know, subsequent episode for a little bit here, I'm going to just dive in further to one of these aspects, just a little bit more here and there. Um to fully embrace, break down, discuss, have fun with this incredible movie that is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I hope you enjoyed my non-spoiler reaction last week, and I also hope that you caught my conversation with Colby Mead of the Colby cast on his podcast about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's certainly an exciting time to be a fan of Lucasfilm right now with Ahsoka just around the corner and Dial of Destiny being out and being a little successful at the box office in certain metrics, so that's exciting. Um, And let's just get right into that. We have some Cloud City Gaza before we get into the main portion of the show which of course is more spoiler discussion for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and let's talk about that film for a second so I mentioned there is some little bit of success of metrics there so first Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is number one at the box office currently worldwide and domestic yes that is the case so congrats to all involved including director James Mangold and Harrison Ford I hope that you've seen it And I look forward to discussing some more spoilers in the main section of the show. Also, what happened to Buryaga? Buryaga, of course, is the Wookiee from the High Republic series of novels, short stories, comics, etc. That is the part of the Lucasfilm Publishing Initiative currently going on that is just about to set forth into phase three of their work. And... There is a question at the end of The Fallen Star as to what was Barry's fate, and fans of the series have had to wait for quite some time in order to figure out what actually happened to this very much fan-favorite character, I would say. And what we've learned from the Star Wars show this past week, which had a uh, actually the High Republic show on Star Wars' YouTube page, um, Burry's story continues in a new anthology series from the High Republic titled Tales of Light and Life. 
Now, this will be first to market at San Diego Comic-Con, which will be taking place from July 20th through 23rd this year. And I hope that we are able to get more information about that release and how we can get it at home ourselves very soon here. We also got some cover artwork for author George Mann's The Eye of Darkness, which is set to be the first book in Phase 3 of the High Republic series of books and comics. Now, this cover features Marshawn Rowe with Loden Greatstorm's lightsaber. Yes, we all, if you've been following the High Republic, you kind of got a sense of what I'm saying already here. But Loden Greatstorm is a Jedi, or was he a Jedi? I don't know. You have to find out what happens to him. Um... And obviously, at this point, Marshawn has his lightsaber as appropriate by the cover. So what happens in between there? You'll find out. Go check out Light of the Jedi um, and uh, some other High Republic books there. Uh, And certainly don't want to miss out on that stuff. That's for sure. I love the High Republic, and it's such a great initiative that Lucasfilm Publishing has been doing over the last couple of years. So if you want to see it for yourself, this cover, it's really cool, I think. Be sure to head over to our social media channels to check it out today. And that's all I had for the news in this portion of the episode. We'll be back on the other side of this very short break, folks, with some more spoiler conversation about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Stay tuned. Okay, everybody, welcome back to our Indiana Jones talk here. Yes, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And I think your first question to me is going to be, Anthony, did you actually see the movie this time? And yes, I did. On July 4th, the holiday here in the United States, Independence Day, celebrating our independence from Great Britain, uh, or at least uh, announcing our independence from Great Britain, uh, leading to more conflict during the Revolutionary War, etc. That's American history. This isn't the podcast for that. I'm sure there are many other podcasts that you can find that will go in-depth about the July 4th holiday and its significance in the United States lexicon. With that, I had the day off from from work, so I said, I'm going to go see this again, and I got myself an RPX screening of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I got myself a large popcorn and soda combo from our local Regal. And their RPX Theater, too, for those of you that aren't aware of this, is like, it, you know, I know a lot of people are big fans of like the reclining seats and chairs and all that stuff in movies. I don't, I don't really care for that one way or the other. But this is actually one where it has like a rumble seat. Um, you know, like a, a certain action beat happens or an explosion happens, your seat rumbles a little bit. It's not necessarily all the way to 40X where your like seat moves with the motions of the characters, but this is certainly a great experience for me. I did the 40X once with Rambo Last Blood, and and I kind of felt like I was on a roller coaster ride the entire time, so I'm not sure if that's actually like my jam. <laughs> but certainly uh, a wonderful experience nonetheless. So I guess, you know, moral of the story is if you have these different variety of um, film options or viewing options, if you will, Screen X, RPX, 40X, perhaps, uh, IMAX, be sure to, you know, check those out and see which one is your flavor that you like the best. Anywho, I was a big fan of seeing it in this format because, of course, I love seeing action movies with that, and you get all the rumble in your seats and and all of that. It keeps helps to you know keep you engaged and and involved with the film in a certain way that usually just sitting in a normal theater seat, whether it be reclining or just you know the standard seat that you sit down for a two um, D film. It's 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 a pretty 
uh, different experience for sure. So I highly recommend all that. So anyways, long story short, yes, I have seen it again. I have seen it without a blurry vision in front of me or a foggy vision or a blurry and foggy vision in front of me, as you all heard last week uh, on my episode about uh, my initial experience seeing it at the drive-in theater where it poured the entire time. And I almost heard it, but also couldn't hear it at the same time because the sound was just so a um, little deafening from the pelting rain that was coming down on the car. I just, uh, I'm glad I was able to see it again. Let's just put it that way. And and then frankly, it was like seeing it again for the first time because I was able to pick up on so many details that, you know, obviously I wasn't able to see before. Action sequences are really hard to point out one way or the other, especially the underwater sequence. So, of course, full spoilers here. Sorry, folks. So I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about the movie is from, from where we were last week. Um, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, I don't know why you're listening to this episode or at least to this point of the episode. So pause it right now. Run to your run, walk, crawl, drive to your local cinema and pick uh, not pick up, but purchase a ticket for Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny, and then come right back to this moment in time. You have been forewarned. So things like, um, back to what I was saying before, things like the um, like the underwater sequence when they're trying to be with the, the frogman, Antonio Banderas' character, um, trying to unearth this um, aspect or basically a map to where the second piece of the dial is. Um, the Dial of Destiny, of course. And uh, with the eels, the whole eel sequence, like I heard about eels, but I didn't actually see them. And now to actually see them, I mean, that whole sequence is a little terrifying to me. Uh, I was feeling a little claustrophobic. I mean, I don't really know like how he's able to get out because um, that seemed almost insurmountable. But of course, it's Indiana Jones. And he's going to get out one way or the other. So that that was, you know, great stuff like that. I was able to see like the more nuances of his face, especially for like that opening sequence with the de-aging, a whole 20 minutes of de-aging that evidently Variety is reporting it took VFX artists three years to do to make it look that stellar. I mean, I think there was maybe one or two moments where I noticed that like, okay, that could be maybe someone could say like, okay, that does look a little um, computer generated, right? But for the most part, that whole thing is just an astounding achievement. Frankly, I hope it gets, you know, award consideration nominees for VFX work for that because the beauty of it is just all right there. And I talked through this with, with Colby on, on our podcast we did together about Dial of Destiny, where I was basically like, you know, the, the sky's the limit, frankly, for what this technology can do. And it's scary in a way, right? Because you don't want be bringing people back from the dead. I know there's been a film lately that looked a little rubbery and maybe disrespectful to people <laughs> that... uh have long passed that are now being brought back into a little bit of, even for a little cameo. I mean, golly, don't want to ruffle any feathers like that one. So I, I could understand some qualms that people may have about, about this stuff. So you want it to look good, even if the person's alive or passed and all that stuff. Again, a lot of whole can of worms opens up when the technology is this good. Let's be honest about that. You could have done the whole movie, frankly, with Harrison Ford as 1944, Indiana Jones hunting for this piece of, at that time they were looking for the Holy Lance, which again, this is one of my favorite religious relics in the world. The Holy Lance was um, basically Longinus 
in in legend is uh, a Roman soldier who um, had a spear um, who um, you may see in like famous biblical predictions uh, or, uh, you know, uh, photographs, not, not photographs, but depictions, I should say, of, of the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, You see that he is like a, like a little incision underneath it, like around his rib cage or something like that. And evidently Longinus had like cataracts or something like that. And he, you know, he was been a Roman soldier and stabbing Jesus there just to draw some blood from him. And by doing that, he was able to he, like he cured it cured his cataracts, like the blood on the on, on just the whole thing. That, that's basically the the gist of the story. And the whole time, people have been like, "What's the holy lance? The the blade that that cut Christ, basically." Um, and with that, like, there's been so many legends of like, well, basically, kind of like the Ark, like an army that has it is like invincible. Um, it's something that has been the ire of many leaders throughout history, you know, dictators, men with political, military and political aspirations. Um, so right now, I, if I believe my memory serves correct without having digging, digging in further into this is that, uh, there's quote unquote, three proposed holy lances existing in the world, or at least with claim to be none of them are, are it, uh, actually. So you know, don't get your hopes up, but you can go visit I think you can visit at least one of them. The uh, one is uh, in Vienna, Austria, um, at the art museum there, and it's actually like the, the same version that is in the Dial of Destiny that Hitler was going after. There's a historic accuracy thing here, and I geeked out to Mr. Forsko's conversations at the time because I was like, "Oh my gosh, are we gonna? Is, is the Dial of Destiny actually just the Holy Lance? Like, are they going for the? It's also called the Spear of Destiny, right? So that's what I was kind of thinking. Maybe the Dial Spear." Perhaps the spear plays into like it's a part of it goes into the dial. I didn't know because, again, I wasn't aware of like all this stuff. Um, heading into the movie, I'd, I wanted to be kind of as fresh as possible. Uh, aside from what was in the trailers, I wasn't looking at necessarily the all the, all the comments and, and the all the videos on YouTube trying to figure out what are the what is the dial of destiny? You know, as we know from the movie, it's the Antikythera that is uh, Archimedes dial. And um, so I was just geeking out about that. And if I, if I, sorry again, if I mention this, cause I just get so lost in trance about the dial, of, uh, the, not the dial, it's about the spear of destiny that, um, the version that they have in the movie is the one that you can see on display in Austria. So if you are a fan and want to go see that actually in, in, in real life, like I plan to one day, um, go check that out. So again, I love that whole sequence. It was a throwback to those early Indiana Jones films that I think was a great, great creative decision on their part. And again, it works. If it doesn't work, you have a whole 20 minutes of a movie that clearly stands out to people and it doesn't grip people in the way that other Indiana Jones adventures have done. I love that they use the same font as the Raiders and Last Crusade stories and also Kingdom of Crystal Skull too. Don't want to disregard that. I don't know why it may, it mattered so much to me. Maybe it's because it was my first time actually seeing like an Indiana Jones film in the movie theater. These films that have so gripped my life over the last couple of years, right? I'm 28 now. Saw them first when I was 21, and it's been a love affair ever since. I'm staring at the the cup of Christ right now uh, uh, that I purchased from Shop Disney about or when they uh, unveiled some Disney some. Uh, 
some relics for Indiana Jones fans to purchase. And I, I hope to get the other ones for my collection too one day. Uh, that being the Fertility Idol, Shankara Stone, perhaps a Crystal Skull. Would love for the um, actual, you know, Des- Dial of Destiny prop itself at some point. I know that the Star Wars YouTube page uh, this week in Star Wars with Kristen Baber had the actual prop on display in their um, in their little weekly show that they do, which I would love to have. That I think the dial is really cool. Yeah, I don't know why the seeing the font was so cool. And also it's at the end, too. The end credits are also the same font. And they're announcing all the characters. You may have seen my poorly uh, taken photographs of it as uh, uh, I, I didn't uh, let my camera go into focus because I was kind of a last minute decision, too. I was like, oh, I'll just snap a photo of like Harrison Ford, George Lucas, and uh, Harrison Ford also pop up in there. Like I, I should have planned ahead for that. So for my third time viewing, I will certainly be better about that knowing that yeah i should do that a little bit of a, a little bit of trepidation about that in movie theaters especially i don't want to get my phone out and all that i'm definitely one of those people that are opposed to the whole like experience of like people having their phones out in the cinema so uh, certainly at the i only budge for that at the end credits when i'm trying to capture aspects of a, of a movie for for the podcast for promotion purposes um but i love seeing that and Baz was great in that sequence. Certainly uh, an archaeologist by trade and not an adventurer by as by any right. Um, him and Indy had this fun adventure together on this train. Um, and, and that was just, that was a really excellent, great introduction to, to Jürgen Voller too, who will come into this play, into this movie as uh, later on uh, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character, the main villain, this guy who's obsessed with the past. And frankly, that's where I want to be talk, spend a little bit of time about in this episode here is to talk about the concept of what is the, the, what is, what is Voler here? Right. And what, what, what are the differences between Voler and, and, and Indiana Jones? So Indiana Jones, although he's gone through this, this horrible tragedy, right? The loss of his son. Which is a spoiler. Uh, let's let's be honest here. You know, Helena asks Indiana Jones, "What would you do if you could go back in time and change something?" He's like, "I would stop my son from enlisting." Right? We're led as an audience to believe that you know, time wise, that he probably enlisted for Vietnam or you know, to for the army, and then was sent to Vietnam or some conflict like that. Timing wise, in the mid early sixties, perhaps, and. He dies. And that's a great question of, you know, why did he actually go? And he has his own thoughts about it. He's like, he's trying to get back at me, which I think is real. How could we expect a person that was not willing to go to school, right? He's 18. He just wants to work on his motorcycle. They have that great ending at the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where they're a happy family together. But how do you do a Tuesday night after that? when you don't want to go to school, your dad's saying, go to school. You're the son of this great historian, archaeologist, professor, adventurer, who's found these many great artifacts and been on these great adventures. And you've been on this adventure yourself. How could you not feel some sense of invincibility? And also how hard would it be to actually be Henry Jones, the third? That would be so hard on any, on any, person i mean whether it be 
actually pressure put on the person or self-anointed pressure just by nature of like talking to people. I mean, if he went to Marshall College and was talking to people and like, hey, this is my son, Henry Jones, they're like, oh, you know, all those people seem like your dad's such a great guy. All that he must have been just so hard. And, you know, he doesn't make it back. He's just one of many casualties that incurs in the United States as a result of that conflict. And that drives Marion, who's basically almost a single mother for a large part of Mutt's life. And her only child, too. It breaks her. And that, of you know, of course, Indy, who's healed, I would say, in terms of his relationships, is like, how do you heal something that, again, is broken again? The loss of a, of a son, a son that he didn't know he had, that now he gets to have, and then it's taken away from him again. So he's got to deal with that. Marion's got to deal with, you know, being an empty nester, right? There's almost a sense of alone, feeling alone. It's so hard. And that and that is, I'm glad that they answered the mutt question. I'm glad they answered the Marion question because those are really my, you know, as you heard me talking about our Kingdom of the Crystal Skull episode, and we had that great, great dialogue about, you know, what is, what is the satisfying next step here? I'm satisfied by this, by that choice. It gives Indy the, the ability to go on this adventure to really fix up this patch that's in him. This empty gaping hole, right? This this facing the loss of his son, facing the that you can't change the past, you have to move forward. And then reclaiming his his love with Marion. I think that was really special. And I'm glad that they tackled it in this way. I mean, there's a thousand other ways where it doesn't work. <laughs> uh I was definitely worried about how they would just say, like, eh, my my son's off in Costa Rica studying dolphins or something like that. And Things didn't work out well with the wife, but it's like, this is a good reason for that. It's like, basically like, you know, Ben Solo turning to the dark side and that being another reason why Han and Leia don't, you know, aren't necessarily together. They have a little bit of separation by the time of the force awakens, right? Like it, it all kind of makes sense to me here when you wrap your brain around it. And also another character, maybe we could do an episode about that. Oh, let's think about that guys. Maybe another episode where we really are like trying to do a deep dive into something. We'll get some folks on here to talk about Mutt and Ben Solo, the children of Harrison Ford's characters. Hmm. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Let's 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 put a pin in that one. But again, I'm glad that they talked about that and then had a reason for this great rejoining at the end of the movie when Marion comes back. Um, and then, you know, it shows the journey in the arc that Indy went on, where he's now able to, I think be there for Marion in a way, move forward together and live in the present with what remaining time they have left. Cause you know, he's saying I'm old the entire time. <laughs> this is my last adventure. Harrison's been very keen about that. They're going to keep going, but you know, the adventures don't stop. He pulled his hat at the end of the movie, which I thought was a great way to end the movie. Right. I love the setting of New York city and all that stuff. It's different for Indiana Jones. It's different for us as the audience to be in this urban setting, especially for 1960s America. A lot different from any other film that we have in this franchise. And then for him just to take the hat at the end, put it on his head. Or at least we assume put it on his head. 
and to continue being Indiana Jones, but also to move forward with his wife again and to seek comfort and understanding together of what they went through moving forward together. I mean, that's a really beautiful ending if you ask me. And I, I'm very satisfied with, with that answer to that question and for the resolution that we're giving as a fan base at the end, at least for me, you know, it may not have worked for you, but it worked for me. And I, 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 I be honest, I teared up. I teared up seeing Marion at the end. Uh, I knew it was coming too. Cause obviously I'd seen the movie. At least I, I had a sense of where we're going, but you know, I'm not sitting in a hot car stuck to my seat at this point, ready for it to, you know, it's a two and a half hour movie. It's not like a, the quickest movie in the planet. And, you know, I'm not saying anything against the runtime. I'm not, I'm not dogging the runtime at all, at all. I think it's a really well-paced movie. And uh, it doesn't feel like two and a half hours because a lot of the, you had the action bits really swing from one to the other. It just makes me, um, you know, just content as a fan. Um, to, to have this this ending here. And I think it's a great bookend to the Indiana Jones franchise if this is the end. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Right now, I'm going to believe that it is because that's what everyone's telling me. Um, perhaps money-wise, it's also another reason why it may be the end, looking at the, the box office returns and all that. But that's that's where I land on that one. And basically, let's get back to the destiny of it all here. Jürgen Voller is... Stuck in the past. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> He's on the hunt for this dial. So that he can go back in time. Basically murder Hitler. And then I assume take on the mantle of Fuhrer or leader of Germany, if you will. some In some way, shape, or form. Because with his ability to recognize... You know, what has happened afterwards, he knows that he can, if he alters history, perhaps with the knowledge that he has, that he would be able to, you know, complete the Third Reich's mission. He's a Nazi through and through. He clearly believes in what the overarching cause that Hitler proposed was. And he's like, well, Hitler strayed from his ways and made some stupid decisions along the way, and I'm going to come along and fix those. But the foundation that was laid there, he certainly was a believer in. And even 20-plus years later, after being recruited by the United States and working for them as a scientist and sending someone into space, right? You know, the whole backdrop of this movie is a space race, which is why they're able to do all this. Um, this grand adventure at the same time because the world is kind of distracted at this point. We sent a man to the moon and the man that put him on the moon wants a little bit of a holiday, basically, um, and has a side pet project. We're going to do what he what he wants. <laughs> Hence why the CIA, CIA is kind of involved there and you know, the framing of uh, Indiana Jones for the couple murder. Um, he's just stuck in the past. And that's where it gets to the concept of, of destiny, right? Indy's a little bit stuck in the past, too, in a way, right? Not necessarily just by being an archaeologist by trade and being a historian and all that. But again, there is that loss of, of Mutt and Marion that makes him stagnant. He's, he's drinking his pain away. He's, he's, he's grumpy with, with society. He's grumpy with his students at the university. 
that he's currently working at. It's not Marshall College anymore. He's in inner city, you know, New York City at some school there. I don't. I'm sure we'll get the name of whatever school that is at some point, or maybe I I, I heard it in the movie, but I missed it. You know, still basically on an operating on a one and a half viewing of this movie at this point showing, <laughs> but he is not stuck. I mean, well, basically that's the arc of this is that at the end of the day, even with Helena's assistance there, right. He comes back to the current time. And with that, he's like, I have something to live for. Or at least he asked the question, what do I have to live for? What do I have in this moment in time? What do I have in the future? What is my destiny? And it's like, it's Marion. Marion is your destiny comforting her moving on together that is your destiny indiana jones being able to accept the past know the past frankly you've lived in it a little bit too figuratively and literally because they they go back in time to the time of archimedes (laughs) they're going back they're seeing the siege of syracuse it's amazing it's amazing it's a literal triumph what they do they go back in time you know he takes Obviously, that's where Jurgen Bowler sees his end because those Roman centuries take him out. And the whole German plane, you know, one of those Junkers bomber planes falls, just gets destroyed in Sicily there. This incredible act, you know, the siege of Syracuse. And golly gee, can you imagine being a history professor and being confronted with this amazing historical event that you've been studying your entire life. I mean, I'm a historian. I could imagine being transported back to like the Normandy beaches. Wow. What a time. What a time that would be. That's for sure. Anywho. Yeah. So just Voller stuck in the past. You know, he thinks his destiny is in the past, but your destiny is not in the past. Destiny by nature is a future thing, right? Just think about Darth Vader just being like, Luke, it, it is your destiny. Join me, right? That's a future act. Luke has to make the choice. That's not something he's already done before. Your destiny is something you're heading towards, not something that's behind you. And that's where they they differ. Indiana Jones is able to see, eventually, and with help, that the future is in front of him, and that's where his destiny is, whereas Yvoler doesn't, and he, he perishes for that. Same thing happens to Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Indy's able to look away from history, <laughs> close his eyes. Whereas Belloc is like, I must look at it. I must open the Ark and make sure that I see what's in here. It's a powerful thing, destiny. It really is. And um, we're going to have so many more conversations about this movie over the next course of a couple weeks here. I'll see it again, certainly. I'm hoping to see it once more before... Uh, once more yeah i hope to see it three times in the cinema so i'm definitely hoping to see it again so that we can do some more in-depth discussions here i hope to have some guests on to talk about indiana jones and the dial of destiny so that's kind of a little bit of a headway as to where we're going in the next couple of weeks here with the podcast but i guess i my question is what do you what are you all thinking about this point in time i honestly this is my humble opinion here i love this movie i am entranced by it i am engulfed by its its beauty its grace the symbolism of it. Perhaps this is all just me just like gushing in the glow of being able to see an Indiana Jones movie for the first time in the theater. But it's it's just been a fun ride. It's been a fun ride. We we have these great memories now of seeing it, at least I do. I hope you have some great experiences seeing it at home yourself. I hope you're able to see it again. Because I think, you know, you're not able to capture everything that happens in a two and a half hour movie in 
with just one one viewing, you're able to pick up on the main beats and stuff like that. But they're just some nuance. I mean, it was lovely. It was lovely to see like the characters, just their faces again, and to um, really just focus in on their expressions and their acting choices and all that. I think Helena was just fantastic in this and uh, and both viewings that I've had. So that's where I, I land on this movie. I love it. I hope that you're loving it too. You know, I, I'm not a reviewer or anything like that. I'm just a professional appreciator of, of this stuff. And you know, I will have some gripes and criticisms here and there perhaps, but generally I like to keep the podcast mostly positive and family friendly for you all so that you can go out and make choices for yourself. And also who wants to listen to a negative podcast all the time? I'm not here for that. I love this movie unequivocally and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. I'm telling you all. So that if you're, if you're like, he doesn't have a gripe about this movie. No, I don't. I don't. This is a fantastic movie. It really holds up with the other films in this franchise. And uh, I got I got nothing nothing bad to say about it. I think Harrison Ford came out to play 110%. I think all the supporting actors really, really stand out for me in this movie. I would love to see more stories with them portrayed in some way, shape, or form. And the answers that I was given are really satisfying for me as a fan. And ultimately, it is uh, a great title, Dial of Destiny. I, I love that title. Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny is a great way to conclude this franchise and I hope that you're all loving the movie. What do you think? Let's talk about it on the social media channels over the next couple of weeks here. Um, as as now that we've more people have been able to see it, time has passed, right? If if you've seen it, you're going probably going to by this point with you know being in its what second or third week at this point. So be sure to go check out and support Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's a great movie. You won't regret it. So with that, folks, that's all I had for this week. Be sure to hit us up on all the social media channels to continue the Indiana Jones discussion. Twitter, Instagram, Hive, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Just search Forest Ghost Conversations and we'll be there. Again, if you want to consider checking out our Patreon page as well as our Tee Public store where you can support the podcast via merchandise and or uh, uh, a monthly pledge, you can find a various the various tiers that we have offered where you can um, see which one you'd like to do. And if you feel so inclined, you will get extra Forest Ghost Conversations goodies throughout the month, such as an, an op- opportunity to um, have extra episodes per month, as well as you you get to ask questions or share stories about yourself on the podcast. So we'll be certainly happy to uh, help you out in those regards if you feel so inclined. Also, please leave a rating and review and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all your uh podcast platforms so it really helps to grow the show um and reach new audiences so we can continue to grow the proverbial seats around the campfire here that is force ghost conversation so until next week folks may the force be with you take care Mm